Welcome to Sustain Now podcast. In this podcast, we will rethink consumer behavior and the whole value chain in designing, producing and distributing goods to reach the ultimate goal, zero emissions. I'm your host, Frederike. I'm co-founder of an e-commerce platform and active in different boards and tech lover. In today's podcast, we will talk about how to track CO2 emissions in your whole value chain, from raw materials over production to transportation. My guest, Jamik, will share his view on making the whole retail value chain more sustainable and provide seven takeaways for a more sustainable world, which is way more than just CO2 emissions. Thank you, Shamik, for joining my first episode of Sustain Now podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. Same here. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Please bear in mind if there are any technical issues or something. We have a guitar in your background, so maybe you can make some music. <laughs> I, I think uh, your podcast will be much better than my, me playing my guitar. <laughs> Very good. So let's, let's, uh, let's start then. Um, you're the co-founder of Trust Trace, a product traceability and supply chain transparency platform. We will come later back to that. Um, First, uh, you worked for 20 years in IT and in engineering and big corporations, big companies. Why did you deci decide to found your own company? Yeah, so I think it is an interesting uh, background. Uh, so, yes, you are right that I worked with a very large Indian IT services company for almost 15 years. And then I was working for a U.S. IT services company uh, for almost four years there. Uh, and then trust trace happened uh, there are i grew up in india i am from uh, i grew up in eastern part of india and central part of india and predominantly in uh, tier two or tier three towns uh, and where we have seen that lot of these uh, production practices what kind of effect it has on the balance between the nature and the society part of it and all that uh, in the last 20, 25 years that I was uh, between 1980s to 2000, I saw a lot of ill effects of these irresponsible production practices on the uh, environment and on the society in general there. Uh, but then, of course, I got into IT industry, which was a much uh, better export led industry in India. Uh, was focusing predominantly in business growth and all that part of it. But uh, Around this time, maybe when I was doing my executive MBA, this uh, issue started haunting me that, hey, uh, we are doing so much well in IT industry, but the other industries are having such a bad impact on the nature and the society. What can we do to improve it? Uh, and interestingly enough, that is the time when one of our colleagues uh, from uh, my um, past, he went back to India because uh, there was a bigger issue at her, his farm. Uh, which was a, a farm that they have been managing for more than a few centuries uh, there. And it, they were doing organic farming and the, uh, the farm productivity was affected significantly because of the water pollution and the groundwater pollution there from the textile mills. And What kind of farm is it? What kind of farm was that? It was a typical vegetable and uh, farm in southern part of India and mm -hmm. closer to uh, one of the biggest textile hubs in Asia there. Uh, and that farm was 
was okay but now when they started uh, off late i think it was having significant amount of chemicals and pesticide issues there uh, part of it uh, that they were facing and uh, so he had to go back because his father was old enough and and he was not mm-hmm. in a in, in a proper state to take up the discussion with the textile industry there locally and all that so he said that he it doesn't make sense he went back and we started saying that maybe being and being knowing this kind of factors in india can we do something being based in sweden and that is when we formed a, a, a non for profit kind of a thing called trust trace which was a very simple list of uh, textile companies where most of the western brands should work uh, some very very basic stuff but slowly and slowly we got to know from the sustainability leaders in <clears throat> uh, sweden big companies like hodini and philippa k that uh, it is not so straightforward uh, you need to look at many other parameters you need to do uh, data collection not one time but it has to be ongoing because yeah, somebody can of course create a great profile in the beginning but over the period of time it can deteriorate and all that kind of thing and uh, then i think we could find a strong correlation between what my past was about building software solutions and uh, what trust trace could become that it could become a digital platform for product traceability and transparency uh, so then we took the brave step of uh, starting our own thing we thought that maybe by doing this we will be able to bring change faster and uh, also we we were naturally uh, leaning towards uh, entrepreneurship at this phase of our career so it all came in together well so a perfect what you call a perfect storm was built maybe <laughs> <laughs> fantastic fantastic coming back like um you know what i understood is that that you connected two things um first of all how you grew up and and saw the impact uh, how if you produce on a non with a non sustainable way what kind of impact it has on people on animals on the nature and the other part um the technology part maybe to use technology to make the world a little bit better um so to coming back from 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 how you grew up um is it what kind of production was then you you told about the colleague but what kind of production you you how do you imagine like if if you never have been there how does it look like when you go there and um what my listeners like understand like what means uh, pr- production has a bad impact on environment so see we have to understand that you cannot generalize uh, the regions so, so in in for, for example there has been this uh, uh myth that a lot of production practices which happen in asia they are uh, detrimental to the environment the society is not well taken care of i you cannot it cannot be generalized like mm-hmm. that because we have seen certain players in asia who are doing things much 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 better than rest of the world in fact in europe and us also uh, so the idea has always to be to reward the people who are doing good and the penalize people who are not doing good right and for some reason i think uh, esg or environmental social ethical and governance issues they were never part of the mainstream business functions right it was a good to have okay we will do some csr activities and all that kind of thing now when it was when when the overall scale of consumption and production was small or manageable i think the impact was not much 
but uh, when i saw, saw that so if i look at india in 80s right uh, when mm. i was growing up right uh, it was still a protected economy socialist principles were there consumption was much uh, controlled you could not just buy because even if you wanted to buy a car you had a wait time of 3 years right so it was that kind of a very closed mm-hmm. economy and in 90s when the economy opened up we started consuming a lot more so it was very easy to buy maybe not one maybe two cars in a household uh, and then you started doing such kind of thing and, and you could see that how the 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 pollution levels in the cities have gone up how the rural part of india are suddenly getting exposed to this new found money and products means nobody knew this fancy idea about having carbonated drinks we uh, mm-hmm. coca cola and and pepsi was not existing when i was growing up right but suddenly then you come and then you lead to this kind of a culture of over consumption and which leads to over production which then you start cutting corners when it comes to uh, production facilities for example i have seen many of these new factories were built on an erstwhile forest reserve maybe right mm-hmm. so this is uh, that time of course it brings economic development everybody is uh, saying that okay uh, we are uh, eradicating poverty but in the long run you are creating much more poverty in a different sense because mm-hmm. then the all the people are dependent upon that factory and and you it, it is a very vicious cycle right there so the relation and and when you come to places like uh, sweden you can see that hey there is such a nice balance between nature society and people are mindful when they are buying things that hey we should support sustainable practices and then the natural question comes is that why can't this be done at a at a global scale why it does yep. need to happen only at a micro scale because if you do it at the same thing at a global scale you are creating a much more sustainable society a much more sustainable planet uh, there and that is what i think we all discuss in various uh, uh, discussions but it was not connecting to my day to day job uh, mm-hmm. there but through trustress i think it started making much more sense that sustainable business can also be run properly and it can generate good profit right and and a, a manageable profit i'm not saying that you can you need to be uh, super filthy rich in the in a day but it can it can easily give you a decent life with a very nice conscience there mm-hmm. because so i all, think that's yeah because i it's exactly what you describe you know like this balance between nature um society but and also profit i think that was most of companies are uh, struggling with uh, how how do you create that balance and uh, you 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 spoke before about consumption you know the consumption increased um everywhere in the world because we also which is a good part also lift a lot of people out of poverty and yes. so the consumption is actually getting better and um i was reading the book um of bill gates and he he explicitly says there um you cannot just cut off uh, you know the third world or second world or whatever you want to name them and say like you you're not allowed to have the same you know wealth or or uh, growth uh, as as the rest of the people and i think that's a big contradiction in in the current world so what what i am searching for is exactly finding are there solutions out where you can balance profitability growth with sustain with sustainable solutions exactly um, what what do you think um 
going into that angle like profit versus sustainability what do you think companies need to focus on to um to get this you know angle between sustainability and profit so i think it has to be a balance right i think uh, the, uh, you cannot be only uh, profit focused you cannot only be sustainability focused i think it is a three-legged stool right you have to be profitable you should take care of the society you should take care of the resources coming from the planet right uh, if you go if you just take two out of the three i think it is an unbalanced uh, world right uh, and and the more you know uh, more you build your business on these three pillars the better for you because then uh, you do not you create you eliminate a lot of risks because i will give you example uh, uh, in india or in asia we have seen where people have neglected society then you have got unions getting formed and then there's a backlash right so it is a one short term way of looking at it if you forget the planet part of it what happens is that uh, i have seen sustainable business who have been able to tap into the uh, like limestone mines or uh, forests for decades to come because they have managed the planet resources very well there and if you don't do this then what happens is that then you are creating a very short term to mid term business being uh, yeah you will get uh, 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 rich in a faster way but the point is that it is not value driven it is mm -hmm. you're not creating a uh, a legacy for that business or a sustainability for that business there uh, and i think this has been the principles of all good businesses even if you see uh, two centuries or three centuries back also right uh, we remember companies which are fundamentally built on these three four principles from early on anybody who has neglected society or the people or the planet part of it it has been a business which has gone out in uh, maybe in a two or three decades itself uh, kind of thing uh, and i think that notion has been i think my my take on this current buzzword called sustainability mm -hmm. is that I think it is uh, just uh, some uh, uh, somehow marketers have got really interested in this buzzword because of the climate impact because all good business practices for the centuries back have followed this principles whatever they have taken from planet and people they have given back much more because that is the positive equation you have to create and that is uh, uh, has been existing for long back and it is just that in the last uh, maybe 2 3 years uh <laughs> starting with the first uh, algors uh, documentary i think it, people just thought oh this is such a nice great idea but i think it it has been existing uh, we mm. have had climate movements we have had people movements for their rights uh, always uh, it is just that uh, now the spotlight is on that that issue there super interesting i think to to add here um is i i was reading from simon sinek infinite game um yes. it's a it's a book about uh, how to create companies who are actually surviving you um as mm. an entrepreneur and can very long lasting with a positive impact um i thought it was also very inspiring i think it's very hard to achieve um it's not an easy yes. way to to create um, you already touched now um sustainability that's that's a buzzword and a marketing work um so in your own words how would you define sustainability i think i will quote i think I, this is a very f famous saying from mahatma gandhi right uh, uh, the planet has sufficient 
sufficiently to feed everybody living on the planet but it has uh, it has not enough to feed the greed of very few people uh, if you are able to uh, consume less live a fulfilling life i think it is what the nature what the uh, what creates sustainable future for everybody right so in simple terms i would say sustainability is that uh, consume as much as you want uh, what you basically need don't consume more than what your needs and wants are uh, there uh, and if you can keep this mantra at a global level if the companies only take so much that they can create a decent profit and not overdo it and if the governments can do the same thing if the a particular society can only take what their people or their society needs and not over uh, uh, take take and take and hold more of it and it goes for uh, uh, covid vaccination also right you have got some certain countries who are holding the vaccination whereas the rest of the world is not and that can lead to all this famines poverties of the uh, of the world so anything do it mindfully do it in a manner that there is a balance always is what uh, sustainability i would say uh it is not a maybe a revolutionary definition <laughs> but uh, i think and, and that is goes back to my fundamental belief that good businesses are always sustainable businesses and uh, good processes are always sustainable and good governments are always uh, looked upon across the globe and i think that is what everybody should try to maintain there um so in your in your um uh preparation you sent me like seven points um of of what are the top changes to make the world more sustainable um you already touched on a few of these to dig a little bit deeper um uh, i can just for the listeners just quickly read through them so first one was be mindful when buying Second, buy less and go for recycle, use or rent. Um, third, companies to set aggressive goals to achieve 100% sustainable products and achieve it. Four, regulators and government to reward genuine sustainable efforts and penalty greenwashing and false claims. The fifth, the rich world to set examples, appreciate the challenges of developing and underdeveloped regions when it comes to sustainable first solutions. Number six, support and reward innovation on sustainable tech. And number seven, support science-based goals and assist fundamental research and development in sustainability topics. So when I was reading these um, seven points, you know, um, I thought about, uh, for me, sustainability, to really uh, find sustainable solutions, I always look at three levels. And I would like to discuss if you see it similar or very different. Um, I see there are three levels which needs to be achieved. It's uh, One side is the company. So companies need to change how they actually produce, how they create products and how they distribute the products. Um, and that not only in retail, but, you know, we mainly focus here in retail, but I think this means a lot for other um, industries as well. Then you have the consumer side, you know, which which needs to have a big power if it comes in in a, in a global scale or as a common have an awareness and and they need to change as well and then you have the system so which is government rules laws etc to enforce some of the good behavior and uh, uh, and panel the bad behavior so it's like the three levels i see which always need to link together is company system and consumer how do you do you see that similar um what other aspects do you see do i miss something or what would you like to add 
Yeah, I think those three are the critical. Of course, the at a macro level, those are the <clears throat> three critical uh, uh, setups or communities who are who are driving this whole thing. But I would fundamentally also bring this aspect of awareness. Right? I think what has changed. I think is uh, people earlier thought that. Uh, planet is not my problem it is somebody else's problem uh, uh, when it comes to societal evils it is not my problem it is somebody else's problem it is same for rich world thinking it is the it is the underdeveloped world's problem underdeveloped world's uh, thinking that okay it is not my problem but my neighbor's problem uh, everywhere right what has happened i think in the last uh, 20-25 years with the millennials and I think maybe the new generation now I think they take this as their own problem because they and and just to refer to what greater's movement is that you're putting my future at stake right because mm-hmm. if the, uh, the planet gets affected if the society gets affected I don't have a future like that uh, so this awareness is very critical and this has happened across these three pillars of course it has been led by a generation of consumers and then they are influencing their parents and their grandparents to make the change Uh, companies which are also being run by these kind of these people who are change agents uh, they are saying that okay no we will build this uh, uh, setup uh, we will build businesses which are more more sustainable and then governments and in these, you have these, uh, 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 the tipping point has happened in each of these industries in a small way. For example, you had a Tesla just coming from the back and saying that this is a, it is pollution versus anti-polluters, right? Uh, that kind of a movement. And then you had these small sparks coming up and now it is engrossing the whole uh, setup across all the three uh, consumers producers and the governments are taken together there so my sense is i think yes these three are important but i think what is more important is these change agents existing within the setup mm-hmm. like there has to be much more uh, awareness brought from these change agents across the industry there has to be one tesla causing the whole automotive industry to stand up and join the electric movement. There has to be one wind power company going ahead and saying that, okay, now all the uh, electricity generation should be using renewable sources. Uh, So this change agents, I think, across the board is very, very important. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a a government leader or a macro. You can very well see. Joe Biden and uh, comes into the equation and he has a climate agenda and what is a change what a big change it has brought into this whole Paris climate movement right uh, yes earlier it was leaning on Europe to lead but now it is universal with uh, North America also joining wholeheartedly right so you need these change agents more mm-hmm. there and then they these change agents are not uh, they don't see government or business or society to be their uh, boundaries. They work at a, at a holistic level to bring the change. Okay, I understand. Thank you so much um, for for that. Uh, I think what I am struggling most as a from consumer side, you know, what can I do as a consumer to really change, you know, uh, for for the. To, to bring change for the future. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that from your point of view as a consumer? What what can you do now? You know, what's 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 possible to change? 
So I think you have to be super, super critical first, right? Uh, you should not just take a, a statement or a tag in a product at its face value. See, as consumers, the biggest thing we can do is that when we are consuming, be it a product or be it a service, right? We should think that it is it the most sustainable way of doing it. And I think it is good that nowadays sustainability is such a fashionable word also. Uh, you can put a significant amount of a tag value to your uh, Instagram post or anything that I bought sustainable, right? Which is which is a very good thing to happen, uh, I would say. Uh, but I think you sh- as consumers, we should be super critical. Don't take a product which is mentioned as sustainable. Say that, yeah, it is sustainable. Question the why is it called sustainable? Because still we have to expect that there are a lot of companies making false claims. There's a lot of greenwashing going around. So you have to find the genuinely sustainable product. And that is where you need to be. First of all, you should be aware that what is the impact? For example, if you're buying a t-shirt, uh, what is the impact it has and it can happen and then ask question that hey can you please prove to me that uh, this t-shirt or this denim when it has been made how sustainable it has been made and educate yourself and it is never you can never be 100% sure but it mm-hmm. is always better for you to be super critical about it right because First time, of course, you may feel uh, not so confident. Second time, uh, you will be a little bit more educated and maybe making the better choice. Third time, maybe still better. And that is uh, what you can do. And whatever you get, uh, knowledge you gain, if you can just uh, share it with your friends, your family, they are also making such kind of choices, right? Uh, there. It's an evolution. It cannot change over a over mm-hmm. just a one year or two years but it is i think it's a habit which will help us all uh, there um, critical the yeah, critic crit- being critical about the when you're buying is super super important and mindful yeah i think that's a very very good point and uh, I, i give you an example where um i i actually struggle so i have a daughter um and um she's one and a half and i, I was like i'm not gonna buy plastic uh, toys anymore so i thought about what are alternatives like in caoutchouc and a lot of different you know um bamboo uh produced and so on and then i did a research um about so what is the sustainable footprint in the whole value chain um of these products versus plastic uh, which is maybe way more long term you know like you can actually uh, resell it you can use it for a very long time the other one break easier and and uh, the whole how they actually plant um, bamboo and and all uh, to take that all into consideration um, at least what I found um, is that right now that's not more sustainable than than plastic you know and and if you find stuff like that out how as a consumer can you actually um, you know and I did an extensive research and you cannot do that for every product so what do you think will need to change that a consumer can actually make this decision um, in an everyday life I was we can I can relate to some of the things that we have been doing in this space. So, for example, we have been working with Coop in uh, Coop in Sweden uh, because they have developed this uh, spider web. Uh, so they uh, measure they present the footprint of a sustainability footprint of a product uh, across ten different uh, parameters: biodiversity, chemicals, uh, climate impact, uh, societal impact, uh, various things. Right. Uh, I think we will see much more holistic tools because I think 
world has also gone unidimensional when it comes to environmental the everybody is seems to be thinking only on carbon and climate right uh, it is uh, there's a lot more to that story than just a carbon footprint or a climate for uh, climate footprint there so i will see we will see much more uh, uh, much more of these holistic uh, representations coming up and then uh, consumers like you who will go and do this research that hey you know what maybe plastic in it, if it is a closed loop system plastic is a much better uh, thing for my kids toys than uh, bamboo maybe right so this and i think this is coming up we see significant uptake of uh, life cycle assessment right what is the life cycle impact of a particular product and it is going and that is why in my one one of the things i said that innovation and technology because if you bring innovation and technology you get first humongous amount of data at a particular product level and you are able to relate to your day to day usage there for example if you know that a good quality plastic product has a life of maybe 100 years whereas a, a, a not so good quality uh, wood product has got a life much uh, small uh, shorter lifetime and then you are, you have a way and means of recycling the plastic yes then it is a much better tool so, but you have to have a system approach and be mindful when you are buying that part of it there uh, there is no easy answer to this uh, uh, there frederick you have to we as consumers have to always be very very mindful when we are buying things uh, we should always look at what is the what how will this product end up after my usage because typically we have to all understand the period that we use the product i am not taking uh, i in fact i am also uh, comparing it with the amount of storage you just cannot put the garment in the hanger and say that you are owning the product how much you use is a very very small part of the total utility value of that whole product so you have to look at the whole aspect of it when you are doing uh, i came across i think uh, uh, a couple of uh, my friends uh, kids they in their schools they are now being taught about you know where does this plastic end and it is such an interesting point to make to a kid because like that kid was not uh, didn't want to use a plastic straw but only when the father explained to him that the, this plastic straw will go into this uh, plastic bank which will again get recycled he 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 was open to use that right so i think this fundamental things that we are teaching the kids in the school and you maybe are doing to your daughter uh, in in maybe a, a years time is going to have because this is this has to become a habit uh, there as we say that you brush in the uh, brush in the evening you have to teach them that <laughs> please take care of these things uh, there and yeah. with this fundamental uh, thing i think they will themselves will be very mindful mm-hmm. of how doing things there means uh, just look at it uh, in our generation itself because when i was growing up in india uh buying second hand or by using or or renting it out or in fact in you in europe also when i moved into europe it was such a taboo that why will you buy second hand aren't you doing well economically mm-hmm. and look at now how in rage it is like you have got uh, big luxury companies coming up with uh, second hand products and second hand marketplaces so i think that is a great sense i think we need more of such positive uh, 
the uh, aspects of the society coming up there mm-hmm. more and more so, so you talk a lot about education um education okay, of the right, consumers education. and and after people awareness okay understand and 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 the other part is what i really liked is thinking about the whole life cycle of a product um you know with um can you reuse it can you recycle can you upcycle i think there are a lot of different startups and and and, or uh, in general coming up i always say let's go back to our grandmother's um, principles you know Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can fix it still still try to use it until you can't fix it anymore or then hand it over to someone else i think it's um it's an interesting way um uh, that that uh, there's a change do you feel also that um that in india um you know where they uh, where it's like maybe more on the growth part um than us here a little bit where we're in europe or it's almost like equal now but do you see do you see in these countries as well that uh, this mind change is coming it is it is uh, maybe the maybe the the proportion of this uh, is is limited as of now and it means uh, you're talking about changing a, a billion plus people <laughs> and their mindset and when when the when the uh, issues of poverty of people uh, uh, economic prosperity not being shared across the society is still there right uh, means you cannot go and uh, make a, a poor man who does not have a any shred of clothes uh, say that now you have to only buy a sustainable organic cotton t-shirt or a or a shirt uh, it doesn't make sense so you have to think about in those terms what what does what is for him sustainably possible right and that definition changes there uh, part of it uh, but yes i think uh, anybody who is exposed to the ill effects of sustainability because if you see Uh, in cities like Bangalore, Chennai, Bombay and all where they have seen pollution has led to health hazards like a significant increase in cancer uh, patients right and that is so people now have started growing their own vegetables in their own patch of land outside the city supporting the local farmers there and then they're saying that we will consume this vegetables ourselves right Uh, and this is uh, this mindset is uh, changing Uh, Mintra which is one of the famous fashion platforms in India they have launched Uh, sustainable products recycled products and all that Uh, yes if you want to see the scale will should go up significantly there also but it it, again it is not uh, I think India and all that in terms of some of the systemic way of thinking right like in in Europe it is very very common to have a a plastic bank where you put the plastic and it gets recycled we don't have that in india so well organized it is coming up like in in good uh, uh, housing uh, societies you have this uh, garbage uh, uh, methods where you can uh, you know you can differentiate between plastic and organic waste and all that but yeah that scale has to come up and that is where i believe technology is there to help us because Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what Europe or US did in 50 years can you make introduce it in China and in India and in South America in five years time because if you can do that using a technology there uh, and and make that systemic change faster uh, that is the gain for the Mm -hmm. whole world that is not the gain for India or China or anybody It, it helps all of us there 
at some point in time china said uh, no to no garbage coming from europe right <laughs> so uh, they also understand i think understand uh, that. In, in indonesia did that too no like uh, yeah. indonesia uh, said last year or something that no import of rubbish anymore from europe um there was a big uh, big news about that um so coming coming to that which is like more countries or more governments like to the system part um what what do you see what what rules or what laws or what policy needs to change to to oh. actually <laughs> long what, list. what's a long list if it's a long list what are your top three you think like these are the the rules or laws or policies need to be in place to really make a change like the take the top three ones and explain why so first should be the definition of a sustainable product uh i think like you have got in quality you say that this particular product is ioso certified or this certified and uh, and then you have a very very clear uh, criteria for why a product is of this quality right it has to be absolutely agreed upon because currently this definition of what is climate friendly what is sustainable what is green is very loosely used and and it is confusing a lot of so until and unless it is like a mindful consumer like you are it is very difficult for anybody to understand right uh, there and it, that is because you are leaving this such a big question to be answered by business who has got a vested interest Uh, they need a common definition across the globe what is what is going to be called like call it a green level one green level two green level three uh, something has to be agreed upon there uh, there and so everybody standardization think, a certification which is exactly. kind of mm -hmm. exactly and uh, what criteria they will do that num that is number one number two i think the penalties on bad practices should be very high and it should be similar to uh, the way government goes about implementing a tax fraud it should be at that level when you are doing these uh, penalties because penalty just put making a law and saying there is a penalty and and choosing to implement that on a on a need basis or whenever you you feel like is not the way to do it if you believe that it is such a big issue you have to have a proper structure way of uh, 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 limiting this kind of uh, frauds of uh, climate frauds or, or environmental or societal frauds it cannot be let you cannot just pay a penalty uh, and and get away with it uh, there there and the third one i would say is significant amount of education and awareness Uh, of course there is a very small segment of people who are curious and who are learning it on their own but a rest of the people because if you look at it right uh, still people are going and buying a diesel car or a petrol car and if you i am sure that if you can make the person understand that this is the impact you are creating and do you, can you uh, adjust your lifestyle and make a change to a, a sustainable option they will do that right uh, but there has to be a strong education strong awareness it just cannot be a a good to have oh uh, it is uh, we can do it tomorrow rather than doing it today kind of thing it has to have an urgency to that so these three will be my top three 
Okay, thank you so much. Just to, to, to summarize again, so one of the, f the first point you said, it should be like a st standardization or certification, like, yes. you know, in, in quality management, there are certain certifications you can get and then, you know, you're, you're certified in that production and so on. So, you know, first of all, I think the first point was really interesting. I would even add that beforehand is what is a sustainable product. And I think we will come back to that topic uh, later on, how you define it. Um, and then the se second one, standardization, certification, then the penalties. Um, so having it then very high if, if you're not agreeing to these um, policies. And the last one is education um, and awareness. Um, and as well, I think you put as well an add-on into reward system uh, as well, like for the people. So if you buy an electric car, you, you get significant uh, reduction um, on yeah. insurances and so on. Um, coming back to the penalty part, um, I think what is what, and I would like to hear your opinion about it. Um, penalties, uh, yes, but we live in a very globalized world, and a lot of discussions I have with companies is, yeah, but how can we get penalized for? A sub supplier, which is, say, in India, producing. Um, so, how do you see that? Like, how can how can tackle that issue that we are so interbinded, and sometimes this traceability is so difficult to actually know is your product really sustainable till your sub supplier? No, so I, I I don't take that because uh, for a simple reason, I think uh, anybody any if I am buying a product, right? And I am trusting the brand that they would have done the full due diligence in throughout their supply chain to ensure that product has been sustainably made, right? And now if you say, no, I do, I, how will I do that? That is your capability mismatch. You do not have that capability then. Then don't expect that the consumer will be forgiving to you. Mm -hmm. Then the consumer will move to a different brand. Because primarily, if you look at my platform, right? I'm not saying it is a foolproof platform, but at least it gives you a data at a sub supplier and up till tier three, tier four, tier five level. Uh, and then, of course, you build confidence on uh, by asking a lot more evidences, uh, because uh, if you cannot. These are these are known factors whom if you cannot have control on that. How can you have control? Uh, how can you run your business? Uh, this I think this is a very. Uh, 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 I would say that yeah, owning the supply chain and it is very good to see that lot of the companies and lot of governments. Uh, I am seeing that they are putting the company at the spotlight, the brand or the producer at the spotlight, and saying that your supply chain is your responsibility. And in case there is a Ill there's a bad practice you will be penalized and you will have to face take the liabilities of it it is exactly we have seen that in case of boohoo um, and it have, we have seen that in case of so many other uh, such examples yeah they cannot say that uh, by uh, outsourcing production you do not outsource your responsibility mm -hmm. it is your responsibility because your brand is sitting on top of that products uh, label there it, i think that's a fantastic way to to go over to actually what's what you know in detail more to understand what is your company doing or you know what kind of product you found so maybe to to, to make it tangible um for our listeners is 
let's let's make an example as a retailer let's say b2c consumer goods sports fashion um, how can you make sure that you can actually trace back and make it visible and and improve that value chain regarding the sustainable solution so how how do you do that with trust trace yeah so i think uh, let's start from the good point is uh, if you're an e-commerce player or a retailer Uh, you are selling certain products which are not your uh, your brand products but it is a third party brand products which are selling to your end consumer right and your consumer is asking us that hey i want to buy a sustainable product so you will what you will do you will say out of your portfolio of products maybe 100 products you say these 20 products are sustainable because i have asked the brands to tell me that does your product fit the criteria these seven or ten criterias that i have uh, there so that is you are now asking that hey i have checked from the brand this brand is saying it meets all the ten criterias i have seen the evidences it holds true so mr customer or consumer this product is uh, sustainably made or locally made or uh, has a climate net zero effect kind of thing but all this evidence is collected uh, by you so and then uh, it goes to the brand the brand for them to share all such evidences they need to have full understanding of the supply chain right from the raw materials to the final product they should know the supplier performances on environmental social and ethical aspects and then they have to be very very sure the product that if they're claiming a product has been made using organic cotton it is real organic cotton and it is not fake uh, claims that uh, products are making and this is where all this was being done earlier lot of these functions used to be done manually there so there for if a some person if a retailer wants to ensure that this criteria is met there will be a bunch of maybe six seven people who are sitting in his office and trying to check all these evidences there and then saying yes and then they put a, a tag called sustainability now as the volume of information needed increases as the number of products that you want to tag sustainability increases you cannot do it manually and that is that that is where a trust trace like platform comes into play where we help these people to collect this data validate this data and it improves the accuracy significantly because you know as human beings we are not good at doing repeatable tasks and looking at the same information again and again so that is what we are doing we span from retailer to the brand to the suppliers there so if you go from the supplier perspective it is a great tool for them to collect and share all this information with the buying brands and also for them to do a a, a check of themselves how good they are and they can keep on improving their performance on that so that they are seen as the top 10% of the good suppliers across the globe and you can uh, uh, market it in our platform to all these brands there right there mm-hmm. if you go to the brands it is a great way because now sitting in europe or sitting in us you are able to collect all of this information real time across your supply chain spread across between from australia to U- united states maybe right and this has been the big revelation we found out during covid times because earlier people used to have this 
mindset that oh no 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 supplier will share the information if unless I visit or audit that factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, during COVID, nobody could travel. They were sitting and they were, they had to change the supply chains dynamically because uh, of the restrictions of uh, with goods and and people, and they were able to do that using our platform. Mm-hmm. So the brand gets all of this information real time across the globe. I'm not saying that you stop doing factory audits. Yes, you can do. But instead of 10 factory audits, maybe you need one of factory audit now because you can get a lot of information. And then finally, it comes to retailers because now they have the capability because earlier they had this restriction that uh, while they want to have maybe 50% of the portfolio to call sustainable sustainable products, the brands did not have that many sustainable product options. Now they can easily check them and then now they can uh, promote such kind of sustainable products to their, uh, consu- uh, to their consumers. And it does not stop there also. Like in some of our brands, they're also putting a QR code in their garment. So suppose after and later on, this garment comes back through recycling or for renting out and all that it closes the loop and then they can again reuse extract the the good materials for example if it's a jacket you can extract the polyester out of it and make a new jacket out of it so it gets into the closed loop uh, system through all of this thing there Okay, great. So I think just to, to, to structure a little bit, um, I think for me to, to understand that right is, um, so, um, as, as like, you know, as a retailer or like I said, like an e-commerce player in, in sports goods, um, I would, I would, um, what I understood is I would hand out this trust trace, the software to, to my, to my producers or to the brands I'm actually buying as, as, you know, a multi-brand retailer. Um, and they enter all the detail of the information which is needed um, about uh, where it's produced, what kind of material is used, is there child labor work, is there, and etc. And they will put that in per raw material because you know for example like a jacket as you said has a lot of different materials yes so there is um uh, you have in a jacket i don't know let's say six seven different kind of materials which are produced maybe in two three different productions and then uh, bundled together so just to make it a little bit more tangible can you explain on that um, example how does it look like like is there yeah. the productions sitting there and and typing in what they are typing in just to give a little bit more yeah get a better view so we are we are democratizing also the data collection it is not one person's job to fill in all this information it gets percolated through the uh, to the uh, lowest tier supplier uh, very simple right as you said you are a multi-brand retailer you are trying to make a particular product claim that this is a sustainable do you ask that hey brand can you please uh, share me the complete who has made it uh, how it has been made and where it has been made kind of thing right and then the brand says yes i can share this information and then the the brand uses trustless platform to find out who are the tier one suppliers who are the tier two suppliers who are the tier three suppliers the way it happens is the brand initiates a traceability request with the tier one supplier or the main contractor the main contractor then pushes this request to the next level the fabric supplier or the label supplier or the packaging material supplier and all that then similarly the fabric supplier will pushes pushes it down to the yarn supplier yarn supplier pushes it down to the uh, 
fiber supplier and it goes as as low level you want typically we are saying that at least get it done till tier 3 level right it is fair point for a brand to ask for it yes you should go to tier 5 tier 6 but it's okay let's start at tier 3 mm -hmm. because globally uh, brands knowing their tier 2 supplier is the probability is less than 20 percent so most of the brands don't know their tier 2 suppliers even so i am we are saying that at least start with tier 3 there uh, uh, kind of a thing and once they know this supply chain then they ask the supplier can you please tell me are you using things like renewable energy are you using uh, uh you don't use any chemicals in your plat in your factory and all that such kind of performance improvement you can do on the uh, on the product because this has got an impact at a retailer level because you as a retailer may say that i want to uh, introduce a chemical free garment uh, 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 tagging there uh, kind of thing similarly you're all also asking the as a brand you are asking your suppliers that hey i know that there's this significant problem with fake claims about the product being organic or product being sustainable can you please ensure the complete material movement of each step is recorded in the trust trace platform right so you don't need a person from you sitting there in the factory and doing the checks there it can be done on a systemic basis mm -hmm. uh, there and all of this would get done through trust trace maybe by only having one person instead of 50 and you you can also save a significant amount of cost for doing this and mind you this does not only improve your sustainability credential it significantly improves your control on supply chain and in this in this world where the supply chain is actually what gives you the profit it actually helps you to ensure that your inventory levels are always the right inventory levels your business is much more agile so yes it is a great way to do business uh, sustainably but it is also a very, very great way to do business generally. Because as I was going back, age-old uh, companies, uh, people who have existing for many uh, centuries, they did sustainability business because it was a good business for them. Mm. And this gives you that. Uh, it it helps you to imp improve your performance on a, on a monthly or a quarterly basis. So, yeah, so this is how you start as though from multi-brand retailer to a brand and then to a supplier. Uh, and again, we do not charge the suppliers in our platform, only the brands and the retailers play. Uh, but the suppliers also gain significantly from this platform because they can now run self-assessment that, okay, if I do, if I do the following things, maybe I can improve my performance mm -hmm. in this level kind of a thing there. Just, just to dig in there, you said before that, for example, renewable energy that use that is is one on key. Do you go deeper and say like um, I use twenty percent or fifty percent or hundred percent renewable energy, or just to is there quantifications behind it? Yeah. Just to, mm -hmm. okay. So uh, if you see energy, right? So I think one, and this is the question that is coming back 
to to lot of these brands nowadays is because uh, when you do carbon footprint calculation uh, most of them have been very very aggressive when it comes to scope 1 and scope 2 scope 1 is very mm-hmm. simply what is the energy you are consuming yourself scope 2 is uh, what you are uh, consuming from your immediate uh, immediate functions right uh, there and scope 3 is from your supply chain if it if you are a product company specifically a fashion company or a food company i think more than 95% of your uh, carbon emissions sits in your supply chain there mm-hmm. so now you need to understand your uh, carbon footprint right so what is happening there is that uh, it is very important now for you to ask your suppliers can you please tell me how much percentage of your uh, so uh, electricity is coming from renewable energy then they can share some kind of a uh, number and typically we will ask them to back that number by a evidence which can be a electricity bill or uh, some uh, simple way of calculate calculation that a third party authority will be giving to them and then we will offset at that level that uh, uh, so much amount of electricity was used across the factory for this factory maybe 30% of it was used by this brand for production and so i offset so much amount of renewable energy in the, uh, so the carbon yep. footprint in in a product mm-hmm. level there it is a, this is at a very high level we have mm. algorithms that we have implemented in the platform by which we are able to do this the, okay okay so very is, interesting it, it is done using artificial intelligence so that mm-hmm. it is much more faster it is much more easier for us to do and more much more repeatable Okay, fantastic. How many how many uh, suppliers tier one, tier two, tier three you already have on the platform? We have got six thousand around six thousand two hundred suppliers till date, but we have covered more than fifteen thousand supplier facilities because one supplier can have two or three different facilities also there in the platform, and it is uh, spread across in the last count over sixty two countries. Okay. Wow, super interesting. Um so I understood about um I liked I liked the view of democra- democra- democratizing democratizing <laughs> yeah. of uh, of the of the data of who when where. Um I understood now a little bit more, you know, how how do you integrate the data into the system and and to make it sure that it's traceable. I like to go back to one point you mentioned um in the conversation before is the QR code, you know, like that Uh, if you uh, if you reuse it, recycle it, and resell it, um, that um, you know you can actually trace back. So, can you elaborate a little bit on that? How 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 did you implement that, and how does it work? Yeah. So again, there are many many solutions available to do unique identification. I think we are one of the solutions, and and again, we are also open to integrate with any. other solution that a brand or, or a retailer would have applied we do not want to reinvent the wheel if there is already a solution a good enough solution working in the systems uh, that is what our mantra is uh, mm-hmm. if you have got a good solution or anybody has got a good solution working we we uh, we will start from there and bring our solution where it adds value to it right but in uh, in couple of our cases what has happened is our brand the customers did not have any unique identifier for their garment so for each of the batch of production we gave them a qr code so because why batch of production because a batch of production will typically have same raw materials 
they will also have the same uh, uh, bill of services and bill of materials that is associated with it uh, for them and so what happens is now this qr code goes in and suppose it is uh, consumed by somebody uh, then it and when it comes for recycling you can check the qr code you know what is the composition like it is 60 percent polyester 30 percent uh, uh, cotton and not only polyester the polyester and cotton has been blended this way so that you can extract the most out of this blend right uh, we also know that some of our customers are now thinking using this qr code not at a batch level but at a product level because now they want to introduce renting and reusing of the uh, re-commercing of the product so when you do renting you also want to use the same unique identifier that this is coming back and how many times it has been used suppose it has been used for already for 200 times maybe it is the right time for you to pull it out of the renting cycle uh, re-commercing because it is uh, helps you ensure the uh, authentic uh, product is being resold with the right history part of it there uh, yeah, nice. so we have just super uh, interesting, and it is a QR code, and we generate. We have got mm -hmm. a, a technology to generate you unique thing. But again, uh, we can also work with others also. Is there any like you mentioned now these two um, like you know the tracking and tracing all the um, sustainable like your sustainable wheel? And I want to come back to that a little bit too, that you explain maybe a little bit more about the sustainable wheel you develop. Um, so you, you have these data um, which you can uh, track and trace till the tier two, three supplier. Then you have this QR code which you can use for example product level. Like in the end, it's all about data, as you said. Um, you know, making it tangible for the data. Is there any other feature you think is important to to uh, to mention? Um, which you think this is a really critical one, which uh, or, or any value add you see for retailer which makes you unique, which you like to add. So uh, what makes us unique is to maybe three main things there. So first thing is that we are leveraging technologies like uh, artificial intelligence, uh, blockchain and all that to trying to make this whole process uh, much, much more efficient. Uh, we are not a blockchain company. We are not an AI company. We are not an OCR company. We are focusing on solving certain inherent efficiencies in this whole ecosystem there. It happens that we use AI, we use blockchain, we use OCR technologies to do that. That is the mindset that we are mm -hmm. doing, right? And this puts us very different from a typical tech company. So that is why we call ourselves... So you focus more on the process than the technology. Exactly. Okay. So, mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it can happen tomorrow. There is a new technology and we believe that I can apply that technology in my platform and, and pass on the... Uh, uh, solve the problem much more better. Right? There. Mm -hmm. So we are a sustainability platform company which uses technology significantly. There. Second is that by the way we are uh, uh, the solution is based it is an enterprise class platform we are a b2b SaaS platform so the same way you see a salesforce operating the same way you see uh, uh, any other uh, enterprise system uh, uh, functioning we function the same way so in the in a in a company i am sitting next to an erp a plm and if there's a data existing in these platforms i can pull the data into my platform and I can pro also send the data back to them, right? 
so which means that it is a very very enterprise class platform so you are again not reinventing the wheel that if a data is existing in your enterprise system you don't again recollect that data i will use the same data that is mm -hmm. already there same goes for third party system if there is a, a data existing in hig index or an oar i will pull that data into my platform there so i i don't like uh, inefficiency in any of these spaces mm -hmm. if there is a data so you you you're very open api based uh, exactly. platform exactly mm -hmm. there so this is the second part of it third thing is that we take an ownership of your of your problem uh first of all we have created an industry specific solution so we don't claim that we are a product traceability or a supply chain transparency platform for all industries we are focused on fashion we are fo now got focused in food also so fashion and food are the two things and of course uh, we may expand into certain adjacent industries but we are uh, retail focused or a consumer packaged goods focused uh, platform there what it means is that when a fashion company comes and joins the platform and says that i want to monitor uh, specific certificates like got certificate like rcs and all that i already have inbuilt algorithms to read those there so they don't need to spend or uh, energy or time on doing that it is already configured and then i have got something what i call traceability as a service offering by which i train the brand that hey mr brand these are the five uh, training programs you will need for your uh, suppliers to get onboarded and for the first time i do that service second time onward they they start doing mm -hmm. it for their own thing so i'm working with the brands and the retailers to achieve their goals i just don't sell up software and say that now it is up to you how you deal with it of course i make the uh my software as user friendly as industry specific as they want but still if they want some additional help like training the suppliers or something like that we do that so we take that ownership there okay super interesting just to 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 summarize it again so what i understood is like you know you're technology based you you, you but you use technology as an enabler to make a process more efficient. I really like the example, what you said before about that instead of auditing 10 different uh, production units, you maybe only have to audit one or not so often because you collect the data in a very standardized way. Um, you're a B2B um, SaaS platform with an open API, so very open to use, but you will also take the ownership. So you will actually help them um in implementing it and and, yes. and developing it, what I understood. Okay, super interesting. Yeah, you said you're you're focusing on fashion and food right now. If you mm. could make a, a forecast, you know how your company will. You're two years old now, so quite young still. Um, if you would forecast in five years, can you can, do you have a picture uh, how your company will look like in five years? <laughs> I can I I can I can have very fanciful ideas about it. Uh, but yeah so i think uh, no but we, uh, we have had a very good run i think uh, but in, in not two years actually we have been existing as a company for four years uh, there uh, two years we have been commercially very uh, uh, successful in the last two years uh, first two years we spent a lot of time in building the platform and the product part of it there uh, and we are very very pr uh, uh, humbled that we still have 
100% retention of customers. We have not lost a single customer. Uh, we were very worried after the COVID initial part of COVID that uh, uh, some of our customers may think that we are not a critical platform, but uh, uh, it has been the other way around. I think they have we have we have seen the all our customers using our platform significantly. If I wear my future casting hat, uh, uh, yeah, maybe we will we will be relevant in a couple of other adjacent industries like uh, beauty, like furniture, like uh, textiles kind of thing, uh, because it has similar supply chains uh, like fashion and food and all that kind of thing. Uh, we believe that we will be a much more scaled up uh, solution. Uh, currently, if you see that, uh, as I mentioned, we have got around 6,200 suppliers with around uh, 15,000 facilities in the platform. I think we will be talking at least 10x or 12x of that number mm -hmm. in, in, in the coming years. And because that is that is where I think the uh, uh, lot of uh, suppliers as well as brands as well as retailers will gain right uh, and it will it will also drive down the cost of the solution also because currently uh, brands spend a lot of time though they don't pay us a lot of money but they have to budget for training of their suppliers but i think now if the, if a new brand finds already 70 of the suppliers in the platform then they don't need to spend that amount of time on that one thing We'll also come up with much more new features and functionalities mm. by which we are covering because we are, a, again, a four-year company. We have focused on maybe traceability, transparency, but we can do many. The good news is that we are collecting a lot of granular data. Uh, so we know what is the capacity at a particular factory, what kind of people do they have, what kind of skill levels they have and all that kind of thing. Yes, we are using it mm -hmm. for the purpose of sustainability, but it can easily be used for any other purposes also there. C coming back to what, uh, you know, the multi-brand retailers. So if I would, if I would um, hire you, how, how, how do you, what's your fee structure? How, how does that look like? Is it, is it a license fee or how do you, how do you work together with companies? So uh, we are uh, we have a typical SaaS model of uh, charging. It is a subscription-based model, and it is based on the usage. And typically, you, you will measure your usage based on the number of products you have and number of uh, suppliers. In if you're a multi-brand retailer, your suppliers are the brands. If you're a brand, your suppliers are the your supply chain kind of thing. So typically, we uh, base the charging model based on number of products and number of suppliers, and it is very, very flexible. So you can start small and you can make it big, or you can, in fact, if it, there's a seasonal change to your uh, uh, business, you can also bring it down and again go back and all that kind of thing you can do that there okay fantastic um so now we talked about the future if you look at the last two or four years um what what has been the biggest lessons learned for you the i want to hear the good but i also want to hear the bad stuff <laughs> and not not just saying it's a, it has been a challenge <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the good news, I think the good thing, so as I told you, right, we were the, we, it's the first, we were the first time entrepreneurs, all four of us, we are four co-founders, uh, all four of us have similar backgrounds, uh, we have worked in IT industry and then we got into uh, starting trust race and all that, uh, the, so, and when, and when you are, uh, the probability of a, of a, 
first time startup you know the it is very very low right <laughs> so we i think we have been brought up by a lot of very good friends and uh, companies like hodini philippa k iceberg fialraven these kind of companies they actually shared their time and knowledge with us because they were genuinely interested that if you can solve this problem i think this will not only solve our problem but it will solve an industry problem right so that i think the this group of friends that we found in the industry is tremendously like now when we have entered food also the amount of support we get from coop sweden to just to do this kind of thing uh, we have been very fortunate in that uh, that aspect of it second we we were very lucky that we found employees or people who joined this mission and they were much more passionate about this than we were uh and uh, as i say that i have got 100% retention on customers as a company we also have got 100% retention on employees also how many employees do you have now we have got around 53 employees uh but of course and and they all came in through references and many of our employees have we have had working relations with them in our past life they contacted us oh you doing such a great job can do you need any help we said that mm-hmm. we we need help but we don't have money <laughs> so mm-hmm. then they said okay we can still work for you we can yep. uh, help you advising and all that kind of thing so that way we have been very very lucky so if you ask me right we have when we started the journey we have been very naive and i think there's though we were like i, I was 40 when i started and couple of our, my uh, our younger founders they were maybe 33 34 when they started but we were very naive because we were entering an uncharted territory and this naivety brought attracted the right kind of people of course we were reached out by many not so right kind of people also <laughs> but somehow we could filter them out mm-hmm. uh, there so these two i think have helped us tremendously well the third one which we i think uh, which we as founders or we as the core team initially did is we were always super super critical about what value do we add to our customers or to anybody our users maybe right why should they share this information in our platform why should they use our platform and this and we pivoted it in fact when we started this business we pivoted in uh fashion in food in multiple different industries but somehow fashion we could get some good friends to start with faster there so and this agility that we have in the in in the team that uh, you give us a throw us a problem of a new industry we will we will customize the solution for it it has been very very useful for us there now for not so good uh, <laughs> part of it not having the startup experience and being a part of that being that corporate kind of beings when we started uh, was a, a disadvantage for us in the beginning uh, there because uh, when in our past life we have a problem there are some thousand people to solve us the problem right <laughs> there we and, and and your 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 destiny is never tied to one issue here yeah. if i'm not able to solve the problem the company goes bankrupt it was that kind of a stuff for us so uh, at least for me and i think i know a couple of other uh, uh, other of the core team uh, we found it very difficult we found it we found it almost that we are standing on the on on a mountain and we are naked uh, no anybody can come and poke us uh, poke us with a spear uh, kind of a thing there uh, it was daunting uh, there that part of it 
second part is getting this uh, value proposition right and uh, everybody says oh you can do a lot of customer discussions and uh, you mm. can get a what is this minimum sellable product right because uh, uh, look at our thing in my past life our average deal size used to be 5 million and above when we entered this it was so difficult even to sell the particular solution at 5000 euros there so we had to uh, do a lot amount of pondering and 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 discussion still it was not an easy and it took us almost a year uh, two years for us to get the formula right there uh, for us there and finally i would say the biggest challenge has been that uh, how do you motivate other partners to integrate with you uh, because uh, they will say come on we have seen so many startups come and go oh, who, why are you so special why should we do it uh, there's a there's a significant amount of politics also involved in it sometimes there's a lot of vested business interest involved in it uh, how do you motivate that you are the right team and not not uh, 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 from the point of that your vision and mission but uh, whatever you're doing you're not going to screw it up kind of a thing right so this is also takes a lot of convincing the uh, part of it uh, in hindsight i think we should also have joined uh, the uh, we have we should have also done a little bit more outreach we were we were a little bit constrained we were always thinking that hey uh, should we join multiple accelerator programs or should we do the introspection ourselves and improve on it and we we thought that no we should do a little bit more within the team than just joining an accelerator program uh, the outreach we were very very conservative about it uh, but when we started reaching out to uh, programs like uh, fashion for good like uh, loomish awards uh, such kind of thing we also started getting a lot of inputs lvmh startup program and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, that i would change in case i uh, we start restart trust race i think i would do a little bit more better outreach and communication there uh, thank you so much for sharing. Great, absolutely great. Um, if you uh, if you if we have listeners who actually are interested in in, in founding a company in sustainable area, do you have one tip which would would you give them? Do it with a with a uh, with a lot of pride. You are absolutely the uh, doing something good for. Uh, future and more importantly i think you are starting on a very strong footing that uh, uh, your company will exist for 100 more years mm -hmm. fantastic thank you so much so uh, to conclude this conversation and thank you so much it was really a great pleasure um what is your favorite quote mm. Try it, try and try till the time you get it right. <laughs> I think uh, I I don't exactly remember Edison's quote uh, quote of that, and I think that's similar on the same lines, uh, that, and that has been my mantra. Uh, if I put a goal, I think I keep on trying till the time I get it. Uh, if I if I not get it right, I still keep on trying. <laughs> <laughs> Good, thank you so much. So. Um, to to conclude, like, where can listeners find more information, and um, and how can they contact you if they are interested in finding out more? 
Yeah, I'm. I'm there. I'm. The, of course, Trustrace website is there. Uh, tr- we are trustrace.com, and then I'm also available in LinkedIn. Uh, I use LinkedIn quite uh, uh, frequently. Uh, other than that, they can reach out to me by my email. It is uh, my first name dot last name at trustrace.com. Fantastic, and we. I will put that into the notes uh, down there, so people can contact you directly. So, thank you so much. For the first episode um, has been fantastic and super interesting. I think I could speak even longer with you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for the time and um, uh, would be great if you could stay on a little bit just for have a after conversation. But thank you listeners for listening in. I hope it was interesting as much as it was from interest for me. And um, uh, I hope uh, that uh, you can find information later on. Thank you so much. My pleasure, uh, Fredrika. It has been a pleasure also sharing on this episode. You can find the show notes, background materials and contact details of our guests on our website www.sustainnow.ch Follow and share our podcast on any podcast platform available. Do you have a comment or interesting solution to take a deep dive? Please don't hesitate to go to our website, sustainnow.ch and write us an email. We will have English as well as German speaking guests coming up. See you soon.